Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The WTF1 Post-Race Podcast. Welcome to the WTF1 Post-Race Podcast, Spain edition. Uh, exceeding track limits just because he could, sweat or rain. Another reason why being a Ferrari fan is the most painful thing on earth. And I'm Mercedes on the up to dissect all things Spanish Grand Prix, where it was indeed Max Verstappen who took his 40th career win to absolutely no one's surprise. Alongside myself, Harry Benjamin is Callan O'Keefe as always. And this week we're joined by prolific F1 content creator Antonio Rankin. But before uh, we introduce Antonio um, and get into anything, Callan, uh, would you like to let us know why you couldn't watch the Grand Prix live again? Well, well everyone knows, Harry, that racing drivers don't have great spatial awareness. And um, I, I took a bit of a detour on my way back from Thruxton and, uh, you know, plan on getting back as quickly as I could to watch the race. We had a couple of F4 drivers out. Um, took the detour, ended up going to make a U-turn because I didn't trust the sat-nav and um, I got my, my road car beached trying to turn around so i ended up trying to dig myself out for about two hours um had to call a nice recovery person to come and get me full scale like jack the car up wooden underneath but it did give me a solid two hour period while i was waiting for them at like 10 o'clock at night to watch the race so i think it was just a blessing in disguise really yeah and uh well you, you made it in the end and that's all that counts he did send me a lovely video about you of you actually digging yourself out of the ditch which i did find quite amusing we 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 were in a forest and I'm just happy I'm still here to tell the tale today. It was very scary. It was very traumatic. So thank you for caring. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you so much. Right. Enough of that. Uh, <laughs> should we talk about the Grand Prix? Antonio, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. Great to have you uh, with us. Um, I suppose we all knew Verstappen won. He's dominating the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, what we might have been a bit surprised about, though, was the two Mercedes, both on the podium, Hamilton and Russell, uh, after qualifying Hamilton pretty down himself say oh we're not even gonna get through to Q3 well he was just lying wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> lying maybe not but an, a welcome surprise I suppose for the Mercedes boys yeah the upgrades package in terms of race pace seems to have done them loads of favors I mean obviously they brought it in in Monaco but it's never going to be representative on a circuit like that and it is great to see them back fighting for places I mean you know it's been so long for them fighting and pushing and finally seeing some of the hard work pay off it'd be great to actually see a more competitive championship in the next few races but are we actually oh gosh have I just don't <laughs> say I that <laughs> It's the hope that kills oh, you. That's sorry, the problem. We <laughs> week on week. And I, every time we always sit down before we start recording, we always go, well, what are we going to talk about now? And it's, 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 it would be, I, everyone wants to see it, don't we? We want to see someone take the fight to Max Verstappen, but he's just, he was so far out in front at one point. It was almost like he was in a different race, wasn't he? I feel like he could have started on the wet tire and still won the race. <laughs> We're not looking at... We're not looking at anybody challenging Max, I don't think. Antonio, I think I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, maybe, okay, we'll get a great battle for second, which I'm all for because that's the one thing we can kind of hold on to at this stage. I don't know. Yeah. Or I maybe. Mean 
Oh, sorry, go on, go on, Antonio. No, I mean, battles anywhere in the championship are great to see. It's so it's so exciting to see at any stage, you know, in the grid, drivers fighting it out, and it's really exciting. However, you know, I really would love to see someone challenge Red Bull just because I think a victory is so much sweeter when mm. you've had to fight for it a little bit. I think, you know, it's coming from Max himself. He's going to, at one point, start getting bored of having these victories upon victories upon victories where no one is challenging him because obviously as a driver, you want to be able to showcase your skills, have a bit of nitty gritty at the wheel. And at the moment, he's just not having that. Can we put together like a challenge for Max Verstappen where we have to like <laughs> impede him the night before? So maybe like... You know, we send him on a night out on the Saturday night and he's not allowed to sleep. Something along the lines just to make him a little bit more human, to make him more of a what fight. About, what about if he starts in a ditch to start with, has to dig himself out while everybody else goes, <laughs> there we go. gets into so the car and then has to catch that. up? No, to now, be fair, him starting on wets wouldn't be half bad because then he'd get he'd get to a point in the race where he'd worn off all of the tread and by like lap yes. 45 or so, he'd just be on slicks like everyone else and he could work his way through the grid. Yeah. It'd be like a bingo card of challenges that we could put him through to like prove you're the best of all time, you know? Oh. One And one of them, he has to start on like the motorway outside the circuit. Then he has to drive <laughs> his way through. Yeah, Like depending on how much he wins by it goes up and up and up every weekend in terms of difficulty. It's like playing an F1 game where you keep increasing the AI, isn't it? Like, I think I think that's our only chance of making it a close fight finish. As a driver though, Callan, I mean, uh, I don't know how many, how many wins did you get in your career, but could you ever get, could you ever- Not, a, not enough, mate. Not, not enough. enough. <laughs> not, not enough for you, clearly. Uh, but could you, could, could, can you get bored of, of winning and being so dominant? Because, I mean, Verstappen was out there. He had no one else to, to fight with and, and was even going for that fastest lap just because he could, you know, exceeding the track limits. And even with a penalty, it wouldn't have done anything. He didn't care. The team were telling him to slow down. Please don't, don't go for it. Don't risk it. Stay within the white lines, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it didn't matter. He could have got five track limits penalties and still been in the lead. <laughs> I think, you you, you know... Obviously, I, I've never found myself in a position where I'm dominating Formula One. Um, so it's not very yet. difficult to not talk. It's a very big trophy <laughs> in the background you have. Not yet. Not yet. Yes, that unfortunately was a second place trophy. I got beaten by Charles Leclerc to a world championship. And I'm still not holding on to the grudgment from that 10 years later. I mean, if Congratulations, Charles. Well, you know, I, I like to look at that. Maybe he learned something that set him up to... Well, I was going to say set him up to succeed in Ferrari, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that point later on in the pod. I think he, I think he, um, learned, he learned from the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many wins? Not enough. That's why I'm here. Um, no, it, it kind of shows, doesn't it? Really, that he, when he celebrated, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a big sort of like, oh my god, we won a race by a huge amount. It's just the norm for him now, and I don't think you ever get bored of dominating. But I think potentially, you know, we keep hearing Max saying that. He's not going to be in Formula One necessarily for as long as we all think. And I think you do need, you don't go looking for a battle because you want to win every race. You want to stick it on pole. You want to break records. But I think if it gets to a point where he's just dominating race after race, after race, after race, he probably will go find another challenge because, you know, racing driver's career is, is not a, is, is not that long. Like any athlete, you only have a certain period of time and you do want the good moments, the challenges. And if he feels like this is too easy for him, Unless it changes, he'll probably go and challenge himself with something else. And, you know, maybe maybe we see Max Verstappen to Le Mans, you know, racing with Joss or, or Max to the Indy 500 in the next few years. That would be cool. Alongside, maybe alongside Formula One. He could miss a race and still win the championship, couldn't he? 
it would be cool to be fair to see him completely dodged about three or four of the races just give us some excitement for a few and then come back and still win the championship because you know it would be at no loss to him to be honest would it but I mean I think boredom is the wrong word maybe just losing the novelty of the win you know I mean we we hear it in the radio messages we always have you know even when Lewis Hamilton was dominating it would be more of a oh congrats guys good good work this weekend when he'd won rather than I guess if it were this weekend if he would have been absolutely feral on the radio you know like it's not a case of being bored of dominating because being the best of the pinnacle of motorsports I don't think that ever can get boring you're the best of the best of the best however there are no new challenges for him at the moment and I think in terms of securing the longevity of his career that could be the main barrier and we have seen it, haven't we? We've seen domination in the sport. Like, it's not a new thing to watch a driver dominate Formula One, is it? Because of the way, the nature of the sport and how dependent we are on on the cars. If you get an exceptional driver in an exceptional car, they will dominate. So, you know, domination does come to an end and it will happen eventually. We all know that one day we're going to be sat on the pod, hopefully before we're all in Zimmer frames, talking about the fact, oh, maybe this is actually the start of so many challenges for Staffan. And, and when that happens, it will be the start of a, a new... Reign of terror for someone else, won't it? It will. Well, we can we can all but dream. Uh, but coming back to, I think the point that we started this on was the Mercedes, <laughs> and on the, on the podium, uh, which is great for them. Um, before we move on to Ferrari, though, Callan, just just on the Mercedes, uh, it was a bit of a weird weekend for them, really. You know, the the qualifying incident that the two drivers had, Russell and Hamilton. What did you make of that? And also. That the new upgrades that they brought in Monaco, this is really the first time they could have a proper go at it in, in Barcelona. But how track specific do you think that might be? Because they have so much running around this track, testing and previous racing and that kind of thing. I think if, if there is a place where the upgrades are more specific, it is definitely Barcelona because one of the great things about the circuit is that you have a, a really good mix of, of all different kinds of corners, lots of combination sections. So really, if a car's strong here, you see how strong it really is. It's not like a, a Monaco or a Baku, for example, where you know there's there's more to chance with track evolution being a street circuit and and driver you know getting close to the wall. So I think actually we might be seeing Mercedes have made a bit of a step. We've we've seen the dominance of the Red Bull is extended here because the car is is very very good. Um, but I think I think. You know, a double a double podium from Mercedes is a strong showing, and it was it wasn't like they qualified at the front and just stayed there. They actually worked their way through, didn't they? And I'm I'm hoping that they kind of found the right direction now. Obviously, they've still got a long way to go to catch Red Bull, but it looks like it's it's the first step in in closing the gap, isn't it? Red Bull's out in the distance, but they've taken the first step in trying to catch them. And going back to the qualifying incident, I think everyone at home was equally as confused as I was. It just seemed a bit clumsy, didn't it? It's not something you expect to see Formula One drivers doing, especially in qualifying, is it? Not at all. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. How much time you spend on yourself in a given week versus how much time you spend on other people. It's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. But when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life, so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. If you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com WTF1 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WTF1. Well, uh, it was good news for the Mercedes and they jump Aston Martin in the constructors. Uh, we talked about Ferrari. Antonio, let's come on to them. Uh, Leclerc in particular, because Carlos signs. Yeah, it was a solid race from him. I think he did the best he could in his Ferrari. Charles Leclerc, on the other hand, even with new upgrades that they brought, everyone talking about these new side pods that they've got, gone for a bit more Red Bully. Um, he qualified 19th swore there was something wrong with the rear end of that car the mechanics doing something basically changed it all and put put it back on again just to try and see if that might do it basically i think like turning the computer on and off again and let's see if that did anything because they didn't come out with anything actually that was the problem started from the pit lane and he didn't exactly carve his way through the field and he left with no points that's that's a disaster what is going on yeah, just a weekend of nothing for Ferrari. I was also underwhelmed by Sainz's performance, if I'm honest. You know, I was hoping for a bit more from him, especially given that it's his home Grand Prix. You know, I wanted him to do well. But no, I, I mean, Leclerc just wasn't anywhere this weekend. I would have at least thought he could have carved his way through up to, you know, even just borderline out of the points, but he wasn't even close. I mean, the Ferrari just didn't seem responsive to the circuit whatsoever. There was something that just wasn't clicking this weekend. And I mean, Quali, yeah, perhaps. Perhaps there was an issue for Charles. I don't I don't doubt that at all. But in terms of actual race pace, that wasn't there either. There, I mean, even against the slower opponents down towards the back of the field, there didn't seem to be any competitivity in any aspect at all. It wasn't even as though he was getting caught in DRS trains and couldn't, you know, was just stuck behind cars that he couldn't pass. It was more the fact that he wasn't stuck. He just wasn't fast enough to pass them. So I think Ferrari really do need to go back to the drawing board big, big time because Barcelona is a very representative circuit. That's why we have it as a testing circuit, because if you do well at Barcelona, you've got a good car. So I think Ferrari really have to sort something out because this weekend was incredibly underwhelming from them. I think one of the the interesting things with with how kind of Formula One teams bring upgrades and it's it's not necessarily the same across the grid, but it tends to be um, the way that they do it is they tend to bring upgrades and put them on one car. Now, obviously, you know, they they want to correlate it. They, they have amazing facilities. They have all these things that say, we should put this on the car because it's going to be quicker. And sometimes they just get it so, so wrong. And I wonder if part of the reason why Carla, um, why Charles was having the struggle was maybe he had a part on the car that, that Carlos didn't. And it just really didn't correlate the way it did. It could also be down to terrible driver performance, but it wouldn't be the first time, certainly inside the sphere, we've heard a a part going on the car and it's just not gelling with the rest of it. And then it almost making it feel like you've got a problem because you, you feel so disconnected from what's going on within the car. And then once that confidence is gone as a driver, that's it. There's no way you're going to push the car to the limits. We're looking for tenths of a second and, and your weekend just unravels. And I, it's, it's really strange to see such a big split between Carlos and, and Charles, isn't it? I don't think we've ever really seen that since the two have been teammates. Well, not, not certainly in this direction anyway. No, not at all. Well, they, they both did have the upgrades, I believe. And, and it was Leclerc who ran a sort of back-to-back. He didn't have it in FP1. And he had the upgraded side pods on on FP2. Ferrari saying, Antonio, the upgrades weren't going to be night and day anyway. But clearly, it, it's got to be some, there's got to be some sort of long-term gain here. And they'll look at Mercedes and go, ah, damn. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... 
with upgrades and performance, there's cause and effect there. You know, if there's an issue after putting the upgrade on, you can go, okay, well, the upgrade is the problem. And then you take it off and the problem's gone. I I think a big issue actually in the race, as well as the fact that there was just no pace for Charles was strategy, as per usual, unfortunately. I mean, the hard tires weren't a responsive choice anyway. I mean, they, they weren't agreeing with a lot of members of of the grid just because the track temperature wasn't as high as expected. The It wasn't as... Um, abrasive as they were all expecting it to be but they put Charles on the hards very early on and didn't then really give them a chance to work before immediately switching them out thereby completely disregarding the potential benefits of having the hard tires on early but then in a second stint the hard tires performed really well on the car it just it seemed like a very a bundled strategy from Ferrari. I mean, obviously they had nothing to lose this weekend. Don't get me wrong. They could afford to make some risky calls and change things up a bit. But I think generally speaking, there was no maximization of any result whatsoever from them. But I mean, in comparison to Mercedes, the upgrades are very different. I mean, Mercedes, the chief um, aspect of their upgrades was probably in the front suspension with the re the retwiddling of the um, wishbones. But Aside from that, I just think upgrades wise, Ferrari need to really have a look at what they're putting on their car and say, what we're working with isn't the best car on the grid anyway. <laughs> Let's be very careful about how we go forwards because yeah, if they're whacking something on the car and just hoping for the best, they do have a lot to lose here. Yeah, and also you make a very interesting point about how upgrades can affect, it's like you, you put the upgrade on, it's not as good, you take it away. Well, what if that's just the driver's reaction to the upgrade? You know, you have two very different drivers, two very different driving styles. It, it Again, and like I said earlier, we're, they're looking for such small margins. If they can find half a tenth to a tenth in every corner, all of a sudden, track like Barcelona, you're looking at a 1.5 second gain. Obviously, it's easy to say that sat here in, in a bedroom somewhere, not working on race cars, but it's it's not it's not a big night and day difference, as you say, that can lead to a huge performance gain. So... The whole like Formula One strategy of how you actually develop a race car is, is, I think, far more complex than people realize. And then you add the human aspect into it with a racing driver. And yeah, it, it, it makes it very, very difficult to know if actually you're on the right track sometimes, doesn't it? Disaster, catastrophe. Those are the different kind of words that Leclerc was even describing in different uh, languages in, in his post-race interviews. And it's hard to disagree with him there, I'm sure. I'm sure. I wonder if Marinello will come out with some sort of statement this week to, to find an issue with that uh, rear end of the car just to cover it off or whether they will just say, look, there's big bigger issues here for Leclerc and uh, Ferrari because it's not the first time he's had a tough weekend uh, this year either. Um, well, that, those are sort of the big the big hitters from the race. We had a lot of cars starting out position, really, didn't we? Um, which kind of allowed for some some underdogs to come through. Um, once again, Yuki Sonoda putting in a wonderful performance. I don't think I've not yet come across anybody who dislikes this man. Um, but also Joe Guanyu in the Alfa Romeo having a really good turn of performance as well. It was brilliant to see him up there. He had the better of Valtteri Bottas pretty much for the entire weekend. And it, I was really happy to see him score points. However, I wasn't happy to see Yuki Tsunoda up there in the points and then getting a penalty for this collision, or not really a collision, this incident where he was uh, seen to have forced Zhou Guanyu off at turn one, Antonia. What did you make of this incident? Do you think that penalty was really deserved? Yes and no. 
Um, <laughs> You'd be a terrible <laughs> FIA steward. Let's let's oh, sit, I would. sit on the fence. Sit on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like the fence. The fence is comfy. No, yeah. I am. Um, you can see both sides as well. It's I great. can. <laughs> I, I completely understand why the penalty was awarded. If I'm honest, there seemed to be a bit of a jerk. If you look at the onboards. You know, from Joe's perspective, it looked like Yuki was about to whack into him. So Joe took avoiding action and therefore was forced wide. However, being forced wide, not necessarily. There was space there. It was just that Joe had taken the avoiding action and had to go off of track. So, so it was Joe's choice to go off of track. But in Joe's mind, he probably thought he was about to get boshed into. So, you know, from from Yuki's end, I would say, yeah, actually, there probably is a penalty there because... There was a little bit of a jolt on on the on the wheel, and Joe's thinking, "Okay, I'm about to get crashed into by Yuki in front of me," and that is, yeah, a penalty deserved. But I can see why Yuki's frustrated because there was space on the track. Joe just didn't use it, probably thinking, "I need to save myself some car parts." <laughs> I, I think you've got to let them race. Like, if you actually look at the way the move was done, like the outside move at turn one and two in Barcelona, that's like. That's a staple move. That's a move that everyone's been doing since, like, if you're racing F4, you know that that's a move that you can do. You, you slipstream up down the straight. You push them to the inside. Last minute, you pull out before the braking zone. And as long as you're ahead or alongside of the first apex, you have the position into the second one. And I, I'm I'm going to say the other side of the fence. Hopefully, you know, we can see this. It, I didn't think that, that Joe needed to go off. I think he had the space to actually to execute it. And I think... Drivers now are so scared of of making contact and getting a penalty or crashing that actually they'd rather just take avoiding action and let the FIA kind of deal with it and then come on the radio and go, oh, push me off. When actually, I think I personally, as a, as, a, as a fan of the sport, would like to see drivers being allowed to race harder because the cars can take it a little bit more. And if, if there wasn't the option to bail out of it and go, oh, well, he forced me off track and get the other driver penalized, then Joe would have had to make the move stick himself. Um, and I think that for me is, is kind of like, it's been trickling down. It, it's more complicated now because we have the ability to just drive off track now in circus. If there was gravel there, you know, Joe wouldn't have gone off. Obviously there's a safety aspect as well. I completely understand that, but I think it comes down from the stewarding side of things. I, w I would like to see drivers being allowed to make a little bit of contact. It's not a demolition derby. I obviously understand that, but being able to force the issue a little bit more to make moves stick, to be allowed to be to race rather than just coming on the radio and saying, oh, he pushed me off and the other driver getting penalized. That's quite interesting, actually, because I think as well as the fear of being penalized is also the cost cap element where in a team like an Alfa Romeo, if they were to sustain damage, that's going to be very costly. And obviously the team yeah. are not going to be very happy with them. I mean, just ask Mick Schumacher. But I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, bring him back into you bring him back into the space on that note. That's not the way we do things here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All all due respect to Nick. But um, you know, it, in the current era of F1, every single contact, every single mistake is so costly. So generally speaking, drivers are acting in abundances of caution, yes, out of fear of being penalized, but also out of the fact that they probably don't want to cost their team hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of damage so in a, in a way yeah joe i definitely think could have stuck his elbows about stuck on the track a bit because again the space was there he could have made the move stick and that would have then been on him to make it stick and he couldn't have blamed yuki to kind of get the easy pass per se but um yeah i think maybe we could have a look in the future about how to what extent are drivers actually able nowadays 
to fully race to the full limit of their abilities without having something in the back of their mind constantly being like, oh, you're going to get damaged to the car. The team are going to get really mad at you or you're going to get a penalty that you think is unfair. I mean, Yuki was probably in that position right now where he was like, well, I was just being defensive and I've been penalized. Mm. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is obviously drivers coming up through the ranks, you know, when you're racing F4, F3, F2, like you're, you're paying your way there. Most of them have sponsors or, or family money, whatever it is. But you know, that, that fear of crash damages, it's actually not something new to them when they get to Formula One, because if you mm. crash a Formula Two car and you break a front wing, that's not a cheap day. You know, you're talking tens of thousands of pounds if you do enough damage. So every time they, they take a risk when they're racing in, in the lower levels and arguably, you know, we've seen some <laughs> some junior series racing that's quite a lot more uh, loose, let's call it, than Formula One um, because they're young kids trying to prove themselves, trying to get to Formula One. So that, that kind of fear of, of what happens if it goes wrong, if we crash and, and the consequences of that, they're kind of used to racing with it as well. So, you know, if, if there's stuff that we can do to level it out, maybe, because obviously, again, the pressure's not quite as much as when you have, you know, a, a boss of Haas shouting at you or a boss of Ferrari or someone like that, then just your dad or your sponsor. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those, those, those things that maybe we can use the podcast to inflict positive change. We need the people of WTF1 to get behind it and and kick off every time there is an unfair penalty. That's the only, it's a revolution. What yeah, do you some, think, Harry? I sometimes do think you should run for prime minister or something. You've got you've just got those, <laughs> those slogans ready to go, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> the positivity everywhere. I I, I think I, regardless of the, the penalty, I think, it, I just wish a different penalty could have been applied where it didn't just drop him completely out of the points. Maybe in MotoGP, for instance, they have various different penalties where they either have to, to drop a second or five seconds while still racing. You know, they have to fully come off the gas or that, you know, simply Sonoda might just have been told, right, let Joe through and then have another crack at him, you know, in the last five laps or something. At least then... Yuki would have still been in the hunt for for a point or two rather than coming away with absolutely nothing and and that that's what grates me more because especially in this 2023 uh, scenario where the field is really quite tightly spread once you get Red Bull out of the equation you know the, these these teams that the Alfa Romeos the Alfa Tauris that the um the Hasses where you know sometimes on the odd occasion they could come through and score a sixth place or a seventh place that's not happening anymore, especially when no cars are retiring at the moment. And Sonoda is case in point. Every result bar one before the Spanish Grand Prix, he was 10th or 11th. And in my opinion, he, he, those point, the, the races where he scored points, he deserved more than just a single solitary point. That, I think there's a wider discussion there to have as well about should points be awarded further down the field. I think they should, but let's not get into that um just yet we can save that one for another day but either way i think we're all agree maybe the penalty was a little bit harsh i don't the callum's on the other side of the fence but (laughs) (laughs) but we'll go with it i i i think i think the penalty was harsh but i think i it's more understanding the reason behind the penalty i agree i I don't think but um on the other side good result for joe though right Oh yeah, yeah 100%, great to see him in 100%. P9. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. And and also nice nice to have the measure of Valtteri, like you said. I think that that's the more important thing to have the measure of Valtteri over the course of a weekend at a place that you know Valtteri knows really really well. Been There's, on the podium before. Exactly. Mm. It's it's a track where it's not necessarily down to something exceptional. It was just down to the job that he did. So 
let's keep an eye on how that battle develops over the course of the year. Well, I completely agree with that. Let's keep an eye on that because although um, Valtteri Bottas has been saying, you know, I still think I've got a very long career in Formula One, I don't know about that at the moment. It's not looking great for, for the Finn if he carries on the way he's going. Um, but that is a massive subject that uh, we don't have time to get into, but we will. We have got a special podcast lined up for that later on. In the season... We'll get back to the show in a moment, but first a quick word about our partners at MoneyGram. We live in a world that's more digital than ever, with nearly every want or need just to tap away. And so many of our favourite digital services seamlessly meet the physical world when they're delivered to your front door. But until now, that hasn't been true for crypto. Digital currencies have been tied up online, with no easy way to bring them into the real world. That's why we're so excited to share that you can now cash in and out of select digital wallets and participate in MoneyGram locations without a bank, credit card, or debit card. Convert your digital currency to cash and back again using the only digital wallets with real cash access activated by MoneyGram. Learn more at moneygram.com slash Stella Wallets. That's moneygram.com slash Stella. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R Wallets. Sweat or rain, Callan O'Keefe? Have you ever confused the two? Um, I, I don't think that's something I ever had the problem with. Maybe I didn't quite work hard enough in a race car whenever I was driving one, but um, <laughs> I've never confused the two because, um, well, one's on the inside of the visor and the other one's on the outside. So I, I think it was probably just wishful thinking, wasn't it? More than anything else, you know, you got got a bit of speed, Max Verstappen's checked out into the distance and you're thinking, well, maybe we could have a bit of, bit of something. Maybe, again, let's let's go for the extreme thing here. Maybe it was George trying to throw the other teams off. Imagine Ooh. that. Uh, he's, I wouldn't. He's, I wouldn't rule that out. Really? You never know, no. do you? Well, you know, of course it was. All of the radio messages are listened to everyone, listened to by everyone. You know, I'm not saying that he is malicious to that extent. However, he might not have been in a rush to correct his error once he realised. Mm. You know, it would have had the other teams going, "Oh, really?" And I, I, I wouldn't put it past any of the drivers to actually be like, "Hold on." I'm not, I know it's my sweat now. I've realized my mistake, but let me just hold off on releasing that information just to make them sweat a bit. But surely, literally. surely there are other teams would just pass, like, you know, Ferrari to Carlos. Oh, is there rain, uh, is there rain in turn five? And he would have just gone, no. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> point, I, done. I, I think George knows that F1 engineers, they're so obsessed with every detail, every little, mm. and they, they react. How many times do we see F1 engineers just react to something that doesn't exist? And you're just like, mate, you know, I'm not saying it actually, if it was the case, it's genius. The ability to be able mm. to drive a race car and try and manipulate other team strategies whilst you're in the middle of your race by doing something as coy as that, brilliant. <laughs> Maybe it was also he was just bored and, and he just misses engineer. He wanted to have a chat with him. You never the know. Boy, the boy who cried <laughs> rain uh, in, <laughs> <laughs> in the cockpit of that Mercedes. It was not rain, it was sweat. He got me so excited. I fully believed oh. him. He, conv he convinced me because I suddenly thought, here we go. We can stop talking about tyre strategy now. We've got a bit of rain coming down. Let's get the inters on. Who's going to switch first? Come on. And it was all... Asa, Aston Martin entered the chat. Oh. They're like, finally, redemption. <laughs> <Yeah>. Redemption. <laughs> Oh, well, it wasn't a great weekend for Aston Martin in the end. It's a nice little segue, was it, uh, Callan? I mean, it was all right, but um, it, a loss of performance, it, it seemed. Yeah, it was. It seemed like quite a complicated weekend. I mean, by contrast, Stroll actually had quite a good weekend for him, didn't he? I mean, he, he, you know, obviously running running sort of closing towards the, you know, the, the mid-pack of the top 10, and he looked far more competitive than Fernando did, and 
Fernando had the late charge at the end of the race and, and brought himself back through, but not the race that Aston Martin have necessarily become accustomed to, in the, you know, especially this year, is it? And there was so much hype, wasn't there, about Alonso going into this race. Everyone was dropping the same statistic about it, you know, Fernando Alonso starting a third of the Formula One races ever. Now, now um, hang on. It, we just, you told me that before the weekend and I was doing the commentary and I'm so, I didn't believe you at first because I was like, nah, I'm not going to say that. I don't want to risk it. And then it was doubly confirmed by F1 themselves. So well done, Callan, for coming up with that stat. But it sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? It's crazy. Like how, how can you contemplate that Fernando Alonso has started a third of the Formula One races there has ever been? That's madness. He's not so to be the party pooper, but there are more races, I guess, in recent seasons, aren't there? You know, not, not sorry, not yeah. so we're in the really cool. Well, if we're going to get picky about it, not to like poop the party, but <laughs> it does. Yeah. Think about it, it does make sense. It, yeah, it does. Yeah. I mean, sorry, but sorry. It's, Continue it's to be the... excited. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'll take I'll take my excitement <laughs> elsewhere. Um, is that rain in I, turn five? No, yeah. <laughs> it's just sweat. It's just no, sweat. <laughs> I I think the thing for me that I find really impressive is is it's so hard to make a career in motorsport. It's so hard to survive in motorsport, and if you actually look back at what Fernando's achieved, I almost find it ludicrous that he's had a career as long as he has, but only won two world championships. You know, we're constantly talking about how Fernando's upping his game and how he's constantly getting better. And well, we're, you know, we're 300 odd. I'm not very good at math, so I don't know what, what a third of 100, 1,086 races is. But it's what I have, it's, you know, it's 300. It's 300 races into his Formula One career, let alone his race career in general. And yeah, it's just impressive how he continually keeps getting better after all these years, isn't it? Am I allowed to be excited? Is no, that... You are, you are. Yeah, you're 40... allowed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> 41 years old, Antonio, he's, he's in the form of his life, I think it has to be said. Maybe not his best ever, but for, for, for what he, you know, he's in a good space. He's finally made the right career move after so many bad ones. Um, you know, he's, he's clearly got this sort of harmony with Lance Stroll, you know, on the radio right at the very end. He, he could have overtaken Stroll. If Stroll was in a different car, he would have absolutely gone by him for sixth place. But, you know, he knows who's paying him in the day and it's Lance Stroll. That Christmas bonus is going yeah. to be exceptional. <laughs> and Alonso doesn't, need, really nice, doesn't yeah. need to overtake Stroll to prove that he's faster than him. Um, so, no. you know, he's clearly in, in a good place, which, which is yeah. nice to see. But, I mean, how long could Alonso go for? Well, I'm going to put this out on the line. I've watched Alonso in F1 for my whole life, right? I mean, I don't remember his championships, given that I was two years old and three years old, respectively. Mm. However, I've grown up with this man in the sport being an absolute phenomenal driver. And, you know, moving moving between the teams, obviously, I mean, he's played the field, really, <laughs> proverbially with the teams, hasn't he? <laughs> But he's he's such a fantastic driver and we've seen him take a couple of missteps. I mean, going back to McLaren, not the best and him coming back with a winner's mentality back to Alpine a couple of years ago and him genuinely not just coming back as, you know, oh, I'm bored in my retirement and I'm kind of good at this. Let's just make some more money. He genuinely came back with an I'm going to win races and I'm still pushing for championships mentality, which as a just fan of the sport it's fantastic you know seeing a driver who loves what he does so much and is so good at what he does 
it's so great. And I'm such a huge fan of his. And I really, really cannot wait because it is inevitable. There'll be a race win coming up. I can't wait for it. I will cry happy tears when that man is on the top step of the podium again, because for someone to have a career as long as he has had, as successful as he has had, he deserves more. You're right. He does deserve more championships. Whether those are coming his way, maybe not. But I'd love to see him on the podium again because he's blimming fantastic. That's the excitement we're looking for. That's what we want to hear. There it is. I think Do you want to poop people... on my party now? Do you want to say that he sucks? Yeah. No, no, no. He's no. past I... his prime. He should retire. Come on. He's done. He's done. <laughs> it's just a fast car. If we put someone else in it, they yeah. win races. I think I think it is exceptional, and I think it actually is a lovely uh, kind of life lesson, really. But uh, for Alonso, you know, you can you can have have your down days, your down years, but you keep going, and it, it can suddenly all turn around. You just never know, and that's a nice little life lesson I think that Fernando Alonso provides us all. Um, well, he may be forty-one years old and uh, still still going strong. Um, Lewis Hamilton once said that he would probably not really race past forty, but it seems. Antonio, like the, the the hunger is still there. Perhaps mm-hmm. maybe it's been reignited by the fact that Mercedes had this sudden loss of performance. Rumours around a contract renewal with Mercedes and Total Wolf have been building, especially in the last week. In fact, on uh, we're recording this on Monday, and uh, an article came out yesterday which said that apparently um, is, is he on the phone to you now? Uh, <laughs> 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 Lewis is on the phone. Uh, apparently, an article saying that, well, today, Monday, could be the day that he signs on the dotted line for for a contract renewal. Hamilton passed his 40s into Formula One. Yeah, I mean, I would love to see it. Again, a driver that I've grown up watching, it would be fantastic. Um, I mean, he's 38 years old now, getting towards the 40 barrier that he so clearly said he didn't want to pass. But I do think there's two ways of looking at the way his career has transpired. Firstly, that not winning the championship in Abu Dhabi 21 ensured he would stay, you know, beyond beyond that, because I think he would have wanted to take his eighth and kind of pull a Nico Rosberg and go, bye, you know. <laughs> and that, that would have been his excuse to get out before 40 as the most successful racing car driver in F1 of all time, eight world championships and off he goes, you know, finish on a high. Um, But also, I think it's great that we've seen this different side of him that we haven't seen in so many years, which is how much he wants to, you know, he drives like blimming God knows what. Even when he hasn't got the car beneath him, he has got so much fight in him to do well. And seeing him support George, I think he's been a fantastic mentor of sorts to George because, of course, George has made the huge leap from Williams up to Mercedes in terms of performance. And it's so nice, actually, to see him fighting and pushing and, you know, being challenged a little bit because it's it's really interesting to see how he responds to that after not really having to respond to that kind of thing for a long time. Um, obviously, I would love to see him get his eighth just because I think it would be a fantastic accolade and a deserved accolade for a driver who has given so much to the sport and has been so successful. Um, but, yeah, no, I think... Nothing in F1 is deserved per se. Nothing is guaranteed. I would be interested to see how long this new contract lasts for. How long is he willing to lose for before he calls it a day? And that is interesting as well, because obviously it's, you know, you've got George like well settled within the team now. At what point do they then say to him, well, it's 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 time to try something different? Because if, if you know, Formula One is, is all about winning. 
and there's loyalties to drivers, especially, you know, Lewis has, has effectively made himself Mercedes, hasn't he? What happens if it gets to the point where he's not winning that eighth? At, at what point do you have the young drivers coming through who are dominating? You know, there's a few on the junior program who are doing a good job who within the next few years will be knocking on the door. They're not going to get rid of Russell if he keeps performing because he'll be the established driver. How long is, is that contract really going to last and how how long are they going to let him last for? And that's kind of the balance, isn't it? So should have answered that phone call to see if actually it was Toto. We could have asked him. Well, let's wait and see what happens with Hamilton and that contract. Does sound like it is going to happen. Nothing confirmed at the time of recording, but uh, I think we are want, we all wanting to see Lewis Hamilton continue to take the fight. He wants Mercedes to be back up there alongside and uh, fighting with Red Bull for wins. So let's see what happens there. Um, well, he was on the podium along with his teammate George Russell, but it was Verstappen on the top step. He extends his championship advantage even further after Sergio Perez can only do fourth. Uh, Let's do our own podium, though, shall we? Our WTF1 podium. So, from everybody, please, I would like your star performer, your worst performer, and your biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix. And if you're watching or listening, do let us know your three as well, either in the YouTube comments or uh, get in touch on the socials at WTF1. Um, Antonia, you're the guest this week. You can take it away. Let's have your star performer first, please. Okay, for my star performer, I would just like to query: Am I? Does it have to be a driver, or can it oh, be? No, no, it doesn't actually. No, it no. doesn't. No. Okay, There's well, no rules here. Case. It's anarchy, <laughs> <laughs> as I have learned. No, <laughs> I would have to give it then to um, everyone at Mercedes for the upgrade package that they've put on that car, both mechanically and aerodynamically. That car is hugely in a step forward than where it was it's done a brilliant job this weekend in not necessarily closing the gap to Red Bull but they're the same if not better now than Aston Martin and the car is looking very positive so yeah star performer Mercedes because it's really great to see them finally making a big leap forwards nice nice 100 percent agree with that I gotta say my my star performer this week was the entire Mercedes Formula One team they, they did a great job obviously the, the step they took was huge not quite at the level to go and, and fight with Supermax yet, but again, a step in the right direction and, and really impressive to see it with both cars as well. I think that's the thing that really stood out. So hopefully step in the right direction to uh, taking the fight to the Dutchman. What about yourself, Harry? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to agree with all your points uh, that you said there. I'm just going to be different just because. Um, and my star performer has to be Max Verstappen. I think uh, flawless, sublime. Uh, the only mistake he made was getting the track limits violations and uh, he knew he could get away with it. So I think we'll look back. Was at it his... really a mistake though? Or was well, it just exactly. the flex? Was he just flex. bored? He was bored. <laughs> exactly. He was bored. I think and he we'll... just been sat in a car for two hours. Yeah, and he exactly. Just yeah. <laughs> we'll look back at this though, I think and, and go, I mean, even though it is a hugely dominant car, Max Verstappen will be one of the the all time greats of the list. You know, for forty wins. I know we have there's mm-hmm. there's a caveats. We have more races in a season now. We are having a period of dominance, but you know he's one 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 short of Ayrton Senna. You know, and and, and you, you, that doesn't go that can't go un, unnoticed and unrewarded. So no. uh, so Verstappen is my star performer. Okay, back to you, Antonia. Let's get your worst performer, please. Um, mine's going to be Lando Norris slash McLaren. Oh. Um, it's really unfortunate because Lando's a driver that I really root for, especially, you know, he had a taste of a really good car a couple of seasons ago and it feels so cruelly stripped from him. But I mean, that, that, that McLaren was just nowhere this weekend. It's, there was that little mistake at the start of the race. Again, it's a racing incident. I think Lando had to go for the position and it was unfortunate that contact was made, but 
at, you know, it stuck in plum last and he just made no progress from there. And it was a shame to see, but there was just no performance in that McLaren at all. So unfortunately, and I do mean unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, Lando Norris. Ah, uh, well, we we could all say I I would say honourable mention to to McLaren and Lando. That was a very clumsy incident on lap one as well. I, I didn't mm-hmm. didn't even necessarily think he was going for the position more. It was just he just ran into the back of him, didn't he? So mm-hmm. he doesn't take it though. For me, unfortunately, I have to give it to Charles Leclerc. Mm-hmm. What a horrible weekend, as he would say, horrible. My French isn't very good, but or terrible. Um, yeah, no, really, really horrible weekend for him, one to forget. And I, I imagine he was on the first flight out of Spain that he possibly could be. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with everything uh, uh, on that. Leclerc is my worst performer of the Grand Prix. Uh, two, let's go for our final step on the podium then. Our biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix, Antonia. Now, I could flip this and say I was surprised at how shocking Ferrari were. But <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, you could. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm so used to being a Ferrari fan. I can no longer oh, be surprised. I'm so sorry. It's not shocking, so, is it? You know, again, everyone's a Ferrari fan. It just it just cuts deep, doesn't it? But no, I, I'm going to give this one to Joe. Um, a yeah. really stellar performance from him to whack that car on P9 well-deserved points some fantastic battles in the midfield I think that you know in in Barcelona we weren't really talking about them earlier in the show but I think yeah you know there were some really good fights going on and um yeah some Joe's been a great driver thus far really deserved that p9 good for him I think the uh this the survival of Toto Wolf's desk was also (laughs) a big surprise you know whenever someone brings up craze and there's hope I was waiting to see the Mercedes going backwards and Toto Wolf angrily smashing the desk but that's that for me again honorable mention you know I do love those on this um but I agree Charles drive was 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 fantastic you know it was great to see him up the front one slight error with taking taking the avoiding action with Yuki, but obviously I think that doesn't that doesn't for me pepper what was a great weekend for him and, and a fantastic race for him. Yeah, I wanted to say Jaguar as well, um, just because I really like I like I love it when an underdog does well. Who doesn't, right? But I'm actually going to go for because it was a surprise. Uh, Mercedes uh, going into into mm. double podium, second and third. I mean, it sounds mad to go to the double podium. Big surprise for Mercedes. What? But considering where they were in practice and qualifying, to 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 get it together to come through for uh, the race, uh, I think. Um, well, qualifying obviously Hamilton was pretty good, but um, to come through for the race, uh, I think was was pretty good, and, and it was hard earned, I think, from both of them. So um, biggest surprise performers for me. Well done uh, them. Let us know uh, your three as well, as I said in the, the comments or uh, social media at WTF One. I think that just about does it for our post-race Spanish podcast. Thank you very much, uh, Callan, as always, for turning up uh, late. And uh, Antonio Rankin, thank you very much for turning up early. I uh, really appreciate <laughs> you coming on the show. Hope you can come back at some it's stage too. balance. That's what it is. It's called, it's called balance. balance. <laughs> Yin and yang. Um, just don't get stuck in a ditch next time. Uh, thank you very much. I have been Harry Benjamin. Uh, stay tuned to the WTF1 socials. Hot Takes Wednesday. It will be out on Wednesday. Shock horror. My mic moved. Apologies. Uh, <laughs> what a way to end in, the show. In, in Espanol, we say lo siento. <laughs> God, uh, you're really multilingual today, aren't what, you? Oh, what's, um, what's goodbye in Spanish? Um, uh, adios. Adios. Hasta, adios. Mani- oh, okay. hasta mañana or hasta luego. Oh, oh, well, do you want to take... You know, Callan, you end the show then. Go on. Give us your best Spanish. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. And until next time, hasta luego. 
Lovely stuff. See you later.